0: Uh, leading up uh, to Christmas, and the past several weeks we looked at the first Christmas, and uh, after careful research, I'm relatively certain that at uh, Jesus' first birthday, they did not say Merry Christmas. I think uh, it would be very funny if they did, but I did not really think that's what they said, Um in fact, that did not happen. Uh, what we call Christmas has obviously changed and morphed over generations and and uh, hundreds and hundreds of years um, to get what we call Christmas today. And it probably is not a surprise to you that that most likely what Christmas is about, we have pretty much forgotten a lot of that. And it's not an attack on you, or an attack on me, or necessarily an attack on our culture, but the truth is, um you know, historically, when, when we give presents, it was originally a symbol or something to remind us that the wise man brought gifts to Jesus. But is that what we think on Christmas morning? No, absolutely not. So over the years, I think that time and traditions and all different kinds of things have Played fact played into its factors about how it's easy to lose, what Christmas was really about. And so that's why we've done this little mini series about the first Christmas, and today we're going to talk about Mary. And we've entitled our talk today, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Now, um, if you grew up in the United States, this was a nursery rhyme you remember, probably. And actually, we titled this today, having nothing to do with the nativity scene historic, um, but really tying into a statement that was made about Jesus by his second cousin, John the Baptist. because John the Baptist who was in the Jordan River baptizing um, people. And he sees Jesus walking on the seashore, and he stops what he's doing it. out of here. To guide us to speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, this morning we're looking at Mary and some things that happened in and around her life and some very simple truths that she lived out that we honestly need to apply her attention to. And so, our very first question that we ask is is really a simple question. Um, And that question is this Why do you write? Why did you write it all? We can learn the answer of that from the little bit that we know about Mary's life. In the sixth month, this is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth the time in Galilee. We know three angels by name. Are you aware of that? Gabriel is one of them. Most of the time in Scripture, when you see Gabriel showing up, he's always talking. Uh, historically, um, people call Gabriel the mouthpiece of God. The other angel that we know is Michael. Uh, Michael, typically, when he shows up, is fierce and has a sword in his hand and the ready to kick butt and take names. That's who Michael is. Um, and then the third... Is the the third angel we know by name is the angel who rebelled against God and of course, the third of the angelic host to follow him, and that is Lucifer. Those are the only three angels that are mentioned by name in Scripture. Any other name you've heard has come from somewhere in church tradition. Um, the three angels we know by name are the ones we just talked about. So God sends Gabriel to show up um, in the life of Mary, verse 27. He chose up to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, of the seventh day, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So very quickly, let's just talk about doing right. We live in a culture, and I don't know when this happened because I'm old, um, but somewhere along the lines, um, and if you're older than me, I I don't know what to tell you, At the very of the barrier body in Boone County. I mean, real. thought that. Do you understand that? It's very possible that in her span of her short life, she just decided to do the right thing. What's that? There's no secret recipe there. Do you understand that? There's not. It's just choosing to do right. That's all. The magic words. No special pill. The potions, Mary just chose to do right. Now imagine the story in a different light. Let's say Mary didn't do that. But in this God knows everything. There's nothing that God has not known or will ever not know. But in our small mind culture, let's say that an angel shows up to Mary's house and says, Hey, Mary, you, being a virgin, are going to give birth to the Messiah. Matthew says, you are going to name him Jesus and call him Emmanuel. Jesus is the Greek word for Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Emmanuel means God with us. Imagine the angel Gabriel shows up and there he goes. Um, I had some bad news for him. Right? And the story is very different than this, it? So we understand, like very basic concepts, that the fact that Mary chose to do right is significant. Just as significant as when you choose to be right. Regardless of what culture says, regardless of what um, anybody says, you choose to do right. Now you also understand that somewhere on the line, Mary has to tell Mom and Dad. Before she's married to Joseph, and she's going to have a baby. Mary doesn't know that angels came to Joseph and told him the news too. So somewhere in Mary's mind, she's going, I've got to tell Mom and Dad, and i am going to tell Joe has to be a long day. Right? Because in their culture, you understand, Mary faces, um, death by stone. That's where this news leads her. So, <laughs> um, the fact that the angel says, you are highly favored. Let's take sh- a short, um, Side it here very quickly. If you want to find yourself anywhere in life, you want to find yourself being favored by God. Not by your boss. You know, who cares if your kids think you're cool? Other than your kids. There are worse things in life than not being a cool <laughs> the cool parent. The cool parent be the one that the police show their house because underage kids are drinking alcohol. If you don't believe that, go back and research some Beachwood high school news. Sure. It's important to us that God's favor rests on us. Is that important? The other way says um, it's more important for me, for my life, to look what I want it to look like. You think at 16 or 15, Mary's sitting on the edge of her bed or wherever she sits, and is going, I'm really hoping to get pregnant before I get married. Do I mean, do you think those are her thoughts? Do you really think her thoughts are like, you know, that when God shows up in her life the plans that she had don't look anything like what the angel's saying to her. Maybe Joseph was really good looking and maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was extremely successful in this business and maybe he wasn't. Maybe Maybe her future just looked like more misery than she already had. Or maybe her future was looking brighter than what she'd ever been. The fact is God is showing up in her life. And the fact that up until this point she has chosen to to be right. She has chosen to follow God even when maybe nobody else was. She has chosen to obey maybe when it wasn't the popular thing. She has chosen to trust God with her life when maybe nobody else in her world was trusting God with their lives. So why do right? Let's look at our next section before I believe some of the answers for that. It's because doing right changes everything. I do not exaggerate, but I mean quite literally. Doing right changes everything. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. And again, the words don't be afraid are one of God's favorite things to say to his people. You'll find it thousands of times in the Old Testament. You'll find it several times just in the life of Mary and Joseph. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. We see the word favor showing up several times in her life. You have found favor with God. You'll be the child. You'll give birth to a son, and you're already given the name Jesus, which means, the Lord saves, he'll be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This statement right here fulfills thousands of years of prophecy. So let me say this to you right now. The reason why it's important that Mary is a virgin and gives birth to Jesus goes back to the very first prophecy about who Jesus was going to be. In the Garden of Eden, mankind rebels against God. Maybe you can relate. Eve is tricked into sinning against God. Satan says, look, that's bullcrapping. God is just trying to keep you down. That's why He doesn't want you to do this thing. So when you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. You will know both good and evil, and God doesn't want you to be like Him. God does not want you to have that kind of knowledge. God is trying to keep you down. God is trying to withhold good things from you. And so Eve eats. She then takes it to Adam... Chose to rebel against God. He was tricked. We are sinners today, ladies. You'll appreciate this. We are all born sinners because we have earthly fathers. Sin is passed, steadily. Sin is passed from man to man to man to man, and so because everybody in this room has an earthly father, that's us. So, the point of Jesus being born of a virgin, he was born sinless. lived his entire life sinless. I want you to pay attention to verse 32. He will be great. He will be great. I'm perhaps what you may know about the life of Jesus. Jesus said about himself, I got nothing. People were wanting to follow him, and he said, look, you don't know what it means to follow me, to be my disciple. Um, birds have nests, foxes the ends, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus never had a bank account. Never drove a nice donkey. Um, didn't live in the nicest house. In the nicest neighborhood. He didn't live in any house in any neighborhood. But the angel says to Mary, He will be great. I believe there's many things in our lives, especially this time of year, it helps to redefine some things. Maybe we need to step back and redefine greatness as God views greatness. Because no single individual has ever changed the landscape of an entire world like Jesus Christ. No one. There are millions of people living on the earth around the time Jesus was. We hardly know any of their names. Hardly know any does change everything. Mary chooses to be right. She chooses to honor God with who she was. And through her, God sends the Lamb into the world. And I understand maybe you have a Talibanite mentality or theology about what you think the baby Jesus is, right? Um, And and, and the reason we think that is because it gives you that warm and fuzzy or maybe because you're just special. I don't know. Um, and, and we all, you know, Jesus isn't wearing a tuxedo t-shirt and blah, 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 blah. Um, simply because you choose to do right, God will do great things with you, through you, and the people around you. And so what said that let me say this. You cannot not get messed up overnight. You get that? Whatever's broken in you right now, or in your relationships, with whoever those relationships are with, they probably can get out of whack overnight. So they may not get fixed overnight either. It may just take a little bit of time, and hard work on your part, or somebody else's part, or everybody's part, for things to get back they should be. That is the bane of the holidays. Because very soon you're going to be sitting at a table with some people and you're going, holy smoke. Really? But it's just the way it is. Um, and somebody at some table is thinking the same thing about you understand that? And I just love Because I know that every time I sit down at a table, somebody is thinking about me. They're going, crap, really? Shut up. Because I don't shut up a lot. And I'm going to talk beautifully, Brian. And I, I, I don't. I should shut up more. I just don't. And so I understand. I trying to be gracious. And I try to be gracious. It's just hard because I'm assuming. Everything does change when we do right. This statement, the bigness of God is often measured by the bigness of my crisis. The bigness of my problem. The bigness of my sin. The bigness of my fears. So the more that I allow other things to be big, it seems like the smaller God gets. Rather than the other way, of saying that God is going to always be bigger than my problem or my fear. That will always be bigger than those things. I'm reminded of the story of David and Goliath, and we'll tell the story very quickly. Um, I'll preach the sermon again sometime next, sometime next year because it's one of my favorites to preach. But David, as, as he shows up in the army and the camp and they're about to fight, the Philistines, and nobody wants to fight. So very common in their culture, they send out their best warriors. So out of the Philistine camp comes uh, a giant named Goliath. And he is twice the size of the entire, of anybody in the Israelite army. Just massive, just huge. The entire Israelite army looks at Goliath and says, no, not thanks. Let's go home. It's not worth it. And they look at him, and they say, he is too big to fight. And then you have David, the kid, comes into the camp and looks at David and says, he is too big to miss. And the difference was a matter of perspective. The difference was that the entire Israelite army looked and saw only how big the lot was. And then David shows up and looks at life from God's perspective and really how small life was compared to God. I think sometimes we, we look at our situations or our problems in life as if they're insurmountable because we look at them from our perspective. Instead of looking at them from God's perspective, they seem pretty small to them because here's my honest opinion. If God can speak and make something from nothing. John chapter 1 says that there is nothing that has ever existed that wasn't made by God. If God can do all that, the things I'm worried about should be pretty simple. If right now, God is holding everything together, no planets are splitting off their axis and crashing into each other. You have air to breathe right now because God is keeping it here for you to breathe. If God can handle all of that. The stuff that I'm to freak out about, I'm pretty sure God is big enough to handle that. says um okay, you're a virgin all well, but this is how this is going to shake out how will this be Mary asked the angel since I'm a virgin the angel answered the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the holy one to be born will be called I'm sorry so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God even with your relative is going to have a child your old age she who was said to be born is in their sixth month. This is one of the reasons we know um, that Jesus wasn't born in December. If you remember the first verse in this section um, of, from today's talk, um, we know what month it was. It was the sixth month. And so, um, Mary, or I'm sorry, Elizabeth was already in her sixth month of pregnancy by that time. When... Uh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth was in her six month of pregnancy when Mary finds out she's going to be having a baby. So we know it wasn't December. Uh, and then verse 37 maybe is the thing that you write down for nothing is impossible with God. Every single part of that statement is important. Nothing is impossible with God. Maybe the key word in that is with. Because a lot of times we want our lives to work out even though we're not with God. We're way over here doing whatever we want to do, making our own choices, not concerning what is right, but concerning what it looks like to follow God. We're not making any of those choices with God, but yet we want God's blessings. Oh, wow, I've got to say, uh, well, um, I'm, uh, I'm over here. Um, so if you want my blessings, you need to be with me. You need to be where I am if you want my blessings, and all the wild is going. You yeah, have to cut over here. This um, stuff over here is where I want to be. Over here is where I want to think. Over here is how I want to live. Over here is my choices. Over here is me, and God is going. It's oh God. Maybe not that, but I'm his kid, right? So he knows the drill. The key is nothing is impossible with God. Not with me, not with you, but with God. So either I will make a choice to be where that really big God is, or I will make a choice. I'm going to today and maybe give the situation to be over here but well, I'm not really anything good at this. Mary's sharp. She hears the angel and again, I guess, I'm not going to talk back to an angel, but Mary does. Give her some credit. She's got guts. So she looks around and says, "Hey, yeah, but here's the needle. Um, I'm still a virgin. I'm not yet married. Um, ta So, through the angel, God says, look, this will be of the Holy Spirit. Okay, good enough. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And so, our very last verse we'll look at. It. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 38. This is Mary's statement. I am the Lord's servant. If you forget everything else you've heard today, which you probably will, be up, you probably will by Wednesday, unless you've written something now, this is the thing you remember. About every place you go, about every paper you sign, about every interaction you have—whether it's with your boss at work, or clients, or patients, or McDonald's drive-through people that are going to mess up your order because you shouldn't be in McDonald's anyway—whatever it is, this is the thing. I'm the Lord's servant. So what does the Lord's servant act like? What does the Lord's servant talk like? How does the Lord's servant behave? I wish I knew. Because I struggle on any given day. Making those right choices. Talking the right way. Behaving the right way. Honoring God the way I should. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Bring it on. Bring it on. What a fantastic attitude for us to have. I'm the Lord's servant. I'll go where God wants me to go. I'll do what God wants me to do. I'll say what God wants me to say. I'll be what God wants me to be. I am the Lord's servant. We we learned so much in just this real snippet of this lady's life. God had his hand on her, he's favored her. And it's easy to look at her life now and see why not favored her. You think all of a sudden, just like that, she went, I'm the Lord's servant. Getting that kind of news. Oh no. This was her attitude all along. I'm going to be the Lord's servant. That's what I'm going to be. a couple of days you will either travel or people will travel to you or whatever that looks like in your life. You have family and friends around. And people that you just love to see and people that you just love to see go. <laughs> uh, and some of them are here. Um, <laughs> I believe this statement right here is the thing that changes us. Look, I'm getting ready to the Lord servant. That's who I want. That's what I want to be. That's how I want to act. That's what the things... Those are the things I want to come in my life and in my heart. i want to be the Lord's servant. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that um, you gave us Jesus. We thank you that you gave him to us in the fashion that you did. Not as some conquering king with a sword and a scepter and a crown but born into poverty and alone and humble. Father, we thank you that, as we look back now, he was great, and he is great. Father, we thank you that that baby, born into abject poverty and humility, grew up to be the Lamb of God and took away the sin of the world. Father, you are fantastic. Father, bless this time we have together. You are good, you are holy, you are wonderful. Father, as this week goes on and people are traveling, we just ask for mercies there blessings on them. as they gather around, that you would be the centerpiece, and you would be the focus. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray.